Open up your Bibles, please, to Exodus chapter 17. Now, Exodus chapter 17 is kind of picking into the middle of this story. And we'll kind of go back and so you can understand some of the foreground before what this happened. You'll understand some of that. And then we'll go into the future from Exodus 17 to see how it played out throughout Israel's history. But here in Exodus chapter 17, the people of Israel are on their way to the promised land. You see, God had promised to Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. And he'd even showed Abraham the land from way up on the top of the mountain. He could see all the way to the Mediterranean Sea. He could see all the way up to the the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. He could see way down south into the area the Israelites are now in. And God had promised Abraham, I'm going to give you three things. First thing I'm going to give you is a great family. They're going to be numerous. Abraham never saw that promise come true, although he saw the start of it. His first son, born at age when he was 100. He saw the start of it. He actually got to see his grandkids, too. Uh, But he didn't have a big family, just a small group at that point. I'm going to give you this land. Abraham never saw that promise. But he believed it. And then from your family, I'm going to bring one who is a blessing to the whole world. God promised that through Abraham's family would come our Lord Jesus Christ. And Abraham believed it. And Hebrews tells us because Abraham believed those promises... God counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed. And his family went on, and Abraham passed away. And his family, just like God had told Abraham, were slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. And then God would bring them out. He did. Now, two to three million people left Egypt. Through many many miracles, God brought them out, demonstrating his power over the Egyptian fake gods, demonstrating his power over King Pharaoh, who thought he was so almighty, demonstrating his power over the greatest army in the world at that time who were all washed away in the Red Sea. Exodus chapter 14. 
And in Exodus 15, we have the song of praise that, that uh, the people of Israel sang. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. And it goes on to describe Pharaoh and his army being drowned in the sea. Verse 18, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. And so they rejoiced as now they were delivered from Pharaoh and his army. They were free. And they were on their way to this promised land. But God had some things to teach them along the way before they got there. Yes, they had been delivered. But would they really be able to trust God? Just a few days later, they came upon bitter water. Being thirsty out in the wilderness, they grumbled and they complained. And seeing a pool of water, they rushed forward and took a big drink of it, only to find out it was yuck. Mara, bitter. And yet God turned that bitter water sweet. Then God let them have 12 springs of fresh bubbling spring water. Just a little bit farther. And they wouldn't have had to drink the bitter water. 70 palm trees, a beautiful campground. <laughs> have you ever had fresh spring water? It's a wonderful thing. Right out of the ground, nice and cold. And they had it. A little bit farther and they ran out of their snacks. Have you ever been traveling and you ran out of your snacks? How many of you have ever been traveling? Yeah. Now most of you have to think back to the time when you were little. Kids, all I have to do is say, have you ever traveled with your dad and mom on a road trip? And they all know what they went through. Dad, Dad, when are we going to stop? Dad, I can't wait any longer. Dad, you got to stop. No, got to go a little farther. Daddy, Daddy, I'm thirsty. Daddy, Daddy, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm going to starve to death. No, you're not. But Daddy, I ran out of my Cheerios. Moses is following God and leading two to three million people, and they run out of food. Moses, Moses, we're starving to death. You brought us out here in the wilderness to starve us to death. Why didn't you bring us out here? We need food, Moses. And every time they complained, Moses went to God and said, God, what would you have me to do? And God would provide. And so we see that God provided manna every day, fresh food, six days out of the week. On the sixth day, he provided enough for two days. The only day it stayed overnight. 
Didn't keep overnight any other days. Did you know that? It didn't keep overnight any other day except for the sixth day. Because they were to collect twice as much on the sixth day. That way, on the seventh day, they didn't have to do any work. <laughs> God provides. And he provided fresh quail. Just go out and chicken dinner. All you can eat, barbecue. And they ran out of water again. And God said, take the leaders and go out to that rock. Take the staff that you held up over the Red Sea and strike that rock and I will provide water. So God provided out of that dry rock rivers of living water. We find out in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that rock was Jesus and it was with them in the wilderness. And here God was providing liver, rivers of living water for them. And so that gets us now to our passage today. After that rock lesson, we read this in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel at Raphidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Now, before we start acting out this story, let's talk a little bit about who these Amaleks were. How many of you have heard who the Amaleks were? There are very few. Okay, a few of you. Good. I'm glad you did, John. Good. Now, Amaleks were the cousins. How many of you have cousins? Amaleks were the descendants of Esau. Remember, there was Jacob and Esau, the two twins who were nothing alike and didn't get along. Right? Now, when Jacob came back with his family, Esau forgave Jacob, and the two dads kind of got along, but you still had all these cousins. The children of Amalek were some of those descendants. And they too grew into a big nation. But they were nomadic peoples. They traveled around through the area south of the land of Canaan. They were warrior type people. Very vicious. Picture those pictures you may have seen of warriors on camelback with big swords. and uh, Now you got the Amalek. And what was happening as the children of Israel were now traveling through that area, the Amalek attacked Israel. They attacked their cousins. And they didn't attack 
at the front of the line where Moses and Joshua and all the strong, healthy, vigorous young people were. Let's read what actually happened. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 25 for a minute. Keep your finger there in Exodus and we'll turn to Deuteronomy so you can see what actually happened because Exodus 17 doesn't give us the whole story. Later on, Moses, in his last sermon to the people and Deuteronomy, reminds the people to remember Amalek and to do something about it. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17. Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt. How he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks. All the stragglers at your rear. When you were tired and weary, he did not fear God. Therefore, it shall be when the Lord your God has given you rest from your enemies all around in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance that you will... And we're going to stop there. Because that's later in the sermon. Don't read ahead! Now, they attacked the weak. The stragglers, you know, the people who couldn't quite keep up. The moms carrying two or three kids and saying, honey, can't you at least carry one of them? They attacked the stragglers, the weak. And God said, I'm going to punish them for that. Now getting back to Exodus chapter 10. Here we have the scene. You got the scene now, right? Two to three million people, all their sheep, all their animals, the stuff that the Egyptians gave them to bring out of Egypt. And at the back of the line are these stragglers getting attacked by their cousins. And so Moses said to Joshua, get together some of the young men, form an army, and go out and defend our people. So Joshua did. And Moses promised Joshua I'm going to go up on the hill with the staff of the Lord. The idea is Moses was going to be praying. And as he was praying, Joshua was going to be defending the people with this army. Now, I have no idea what your name is, and you can probably be angry with me forever for this. But please don't, okay? What's your name? Marilyn. Marilyn. What a beautiful name. Marilyn. It's nothing like Moses. 
and you don't have any gray beard. No. But you were the only volunteer that admitted your name started with an M. So you get to be Moses. Okay, so put that down. All right, here's the staff of the Lord. You don't have to hold it up yet. Come on up here if you would, please. Okay, now. Uh, then we had two more men. We had Aaron. Your name is? Al. Al is not Aaron, but that's okay because Al's a wonderful name. I got a lot of friends named Al, okay? Would you please come on up and you're Aaron now. You stand on one side. And then we got this other man named her. Now, you see, Bible can be fun. It's funny. This guy is named her. H-U-R. Now, we don't often hear about her, but we find out the, he's kind of there, hit and miss, throughout the whole story, throughout the book of Exodus. And he does some really neat things. And he's kind of in the background, but he's kind of always there with Moses and Aaron. And it may well be that her was like a brother-in-law or a relative to Moses, okay? And we find out later that hers son was given special abilities from God to be the, the craftsman to make all that beautiful stuff in the tabernacle. It was her son that was given those abilities to do that. Okay? That's pretty neat, isn't it? Okay, so you're her. Come on up here, her. Okay, stand right here. Now, This is not a rock, but it is a seat, okay? Not yet. Okay, now, guess what? We don't have any Amalekites in here. You're all Israelites now, okay? So everybody stand up with me. Stand up. If you can, that's all right. If you can, that's all right. Okay, stand up. Now, when the Egyptians died in the Red Sea, their weapons were washed ashore. And some of them washed ashore with arrows and bows. Okay? How many of you want arrows and bows? Okay, okay. Some of them washed ashore with swords. How many of you want swords? Okay, okay. Uh, some of them washed ashore with spears. How many of you want spears? Okay, some of you got spears. Okay. So these weapons the people had from the Egyptians, they're not a trained army, but they had them. Okay. Joshua gets them together, and they go out to a fight the Amalekites. Now, Nothing against the people that are not here this morning, okay? But uh, we'll just pretend the Amalekites are just outside that wall, okay? Because I didn't want to give any of you the bad name of the Amalekites in here, okay? So, uh, face this way, you're going out 
to fight the Amalekites and defend your brothers and sisters and children. And, okay, you're going out. And I get out your swords, get out your spears, get out your arrows, and everybody pretend like you're fighting the Amalekites. Come on, let's go. Come on. Let's, yeah, hey, there we go. Let's throw the spears. Yeah, all right, good. All right, you're going to get it. Yeah, you're fighting the Amalekites. Now, as this is going on, Moses is holding his staff up. Okay, up. All right, yeah, yeah. Now they keep fighting, and they keep fighting, and they keep fighting, and it's going on all day, all day. And Moses' arms begin to get tired. Your arms get tired? Yeah, arms get tired. And as his arms get tired, the Amalekites start winning, so everybody has to kind of come back this way. Oh, no, they're starting to win. Oh, they're starting to win. Oh, no. So he puts, oh, good. Okay, now you go go back. Because now the Israelites are winning. The Israelites are winning now. All right. But their arms get tired again. Moses' arms get tired again. And Aaron and her realize what's going on. So they pull the rock up behind Moses. And they say, Moses, sit down. There you go. And Aaron grabs one end of the staff. And her grabs the other. And they fight like this all day long. The Bible says until dark. So the sun starts going down. And finally, Joshua and the army have defeated all the Amalekites. And the ones that are left run away in fear. And the sun goes down. And God had given a great victory. Now Moses says this. (laughs) Arms tired yet? Yeah, no doubt. They do get tired, believe me. Moses, this is verse 15, Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Okay, thank you. You three can be seated. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You may, you may sit down. The Lord is my banner. But you might say, okay, Paul, what does that have to do with us? You know, we live in a sinful, perverted world. We live in a world where people do wrong. And it hurts other people. Always does. And if we're going to be the army of the Lord to share God's love with other people, there are times when we have to stand up to the Amalekites. I don't mean a particular group of people necessarily. I mean those who are choosing to do wrong and hurt others.
And Joshua realized we got to stand up against those Amalekites. Moses realized that. But Lord, Moses and Joshua, and uh, they all knew they couldn't do it on their own. They needed someone praying to God and let God give the victory. So Moses and Aaron and Hur went up on the mountain to do that. But even they couldn't do it alone. Moses couldn't do it alone. He needed the help of Aaron and her to continue doing that. I was greatly encouraged this morning to find out there's a group of people that pray before the morning service. How many of you knew that? Yeah. What a great day wasn't a big group, but it was a group of people concerned about God's Spirit working in the morning service, and they were praying. That was a great encouragement to me. Now, Moses and Joshua, Moses and Aaron and Hur were praying, but there was also a group of people getting involved. All of you getting involved. Need to be involved. And God brought the great victory. Now, later on, as we read earlier in Deuteronomy, Moses would remind the people of that, and he would tell them exactly what God said here in Exodus chapter 17 and verse 14. I purposely skipped over that verse. I'm going to go back right now. Read it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for memorial in the books and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. You know, if we didn't have this story here in God's Word, the Amaleks would not be remembered. There is no archaeological things that I found saying, oh, a stone that says Amalek. No, no, it's, this is it, what God's Word says. <laughs> the Amaleks continued to be a thorn in the flesh of Israel for many, many years to come. During the time of the Judges, in Judges chapter 3, verse 13, we find that the sons of Amalek joined with the Moabites and Midianites. In fact, throughout the book of Judges, they kept joining with different groups to attack and punish Israel for Israel's sinfulness. And God used that to draw Israel back to himself again and again. But finally, in the days of the kings, under King Saul, when... Uh, God had given Saul great victories. He then told Saul, now you go out and destroy the Amaleks. Moses had said to do that in the book of Deuteronomy, and God told him to do that. And now it was time to do that. And Saul went and fought against King Agag in 1 Samuel chapter 15. The problem is Saul thought he knew better than God. And instead of obeying, he only fought 
and got the victory and then kept King Agag and apparently others alive and took for himself (laughs) some of Agag's sheep and cattle and so forth. And for that, God was very displeased with Saul and God told Samuel, you won't have Saul as your king much longer. God instructed Samuel to anoint David. Later, great stories in there. I don't have the time to tell all those stories, but you know some of them. Uh, David became king. But before he did, David was told to go with his men and fight the Amaleks. And David had great victory over the Amaleks. He destroyed them all just like God said, except for a few that escaped on camel. Many of hundreds of years later, we find one descendant of King Agag, the Amalekite, in Esther chapter 3, verse 1. Remember the story of Esther, queen of Persia, put there by God to rescue her people from a terrible plot by a man by the name of Haman. A plot that would mean all Israelites would be killed. That was Haman's desire. Haman was a descendant of King Agag. God turned that plot against Haman, didn't he? Haman and his family died. So now you have the rest of the story of the Battle of Raphadim over hundreds of generations. But what does it mean? All of us need to get involved. There is a place of involvement for you in the Lord's work. Maybe... You're already volunteering to be involved in Bible school, and you're going to be in the meeting back there. Maybe. Maybe you can't be involved during the evenings this week in Bible school, but you want to be involved. Maybe you can choose one of the people to be praying for. I'm going to ask all of those that are involved in Bible school just to stand up right now. Please just stand up. If you're going to be here this week involved in Bible school, stand up. Now, look around. Choose someone to pray for. And then go to them and say, I'm going to be praying for you. Here's my phone number. If you have any special needs this week, you find any children you need a little special prayer, or you, you have something happen in your life that you need a little, just, just call me. But I'm going to be praying for you regardless all week. Okay? You may be seated. So there's another way you can be involved. But you can be involved right after this too. Because I've got a gentleman back here who's going to bring my Suburban up to the store. And I need some men to unload a Suburban, bring that stuff in here. Okay? 
Not a lot, just a Suburban full of boxes, okay? And uh, I don't ask you to put it up because you don't know where it goes, but I'm going to put it up. I just, while I'm in the teacher's meeting, I need you to unload it into here, okay? So some of you can volunteer to be involved that way. The second thing we need to learn is that God will provide and God will protect. God provided for the Israelites over and over and over again. And God will protect. As you're involved, He will protect. Third thing we need to learn is you are not alone. We all must do our part. You are not alone in the ministry of this church. We all do our part. You are not alone in the ministry of Bible school this week. We're all going to do our part. You are not alone in the Great Commission. We're all going to do our part. You're not alone. I hope you're involved. Last thing we learn, just like Moses built the altar to the Lord, said, the Lord is my banner. God always gets the glory. The glory doesn't belong to the person up front, no matter who that person up front is. The glory doesn't belong to the person who gives what everybody thinks is a great deal. The glory doesn't belong to the person who has their name on the building. The glory belongs to the Lord. That's who gets the glory. We all must remember that. Moses said, the Lord is my banner. Get involved. God will provide We're not alone. God gets the glory.